0: We are very blessed, not just to be in a country where we can worship our Lord, as we saw that video, but also in a place that we can know our Lord, and I praise the Lord for His goodness in letting us know Him. It's an amazing thing. You know, this is a significant day in the history of our country. It it grieves me, like many of you. It grieves me to see freedoms that were bought by the blood of our servicemen and women uh, being eroded by things that go on in politics or in uh, activist groups of one kind or another. I've always felt it an honor to be part of this country. And I pray that the Lord will spare us from the assaults on our freedoms. But this day is also very special to me since it was in 1976, the Bicentennial year, that was 45 years ago. You Remember the Bicentennial year? Some of you do. That's when I came to know Christ as my Savior. It was during a, uh, a Bible camp, during the Fourth of July, that I came to know what Jesus had done for me. And I'm so thankful for the spiritual freedom I have in Christ Jesus. It's he who said in John eight thirty six, If the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. I use that kind of as a start for what I'd like to share with you today from the book of Jude and verse number sixteen. This is part two, by the way, of where I was last week, and I'm not going to go through every single thing to review it all. But I am going to review some important things only because we're right in the middle of a paragraph and it's kind of hard just to jump in without a little bit of setting the table, so to speak. I was studying the book of Judas focused heavily, as you know, on false teachers. But folks, that is not what the book is about. I know we've been on the topic a lot, but the book is primarily about a look at the one who is able Who is able to keep us from falling. And is able to present us before his throne. And there's a beautiful word in verse number 24. It's called blameless. And that's how he's going to present us someday before his throne. And he'll do that with great joy and so will you. I look forward to that day when we stand before his throne and we see what he has been able to do. But there are dangers along the way, aren't there? We know that. In the study of this book, and honestly I could take you into the study of almost any book and, and see that Jude is pointing out the very same thing that Peter pointed out, that Paul pointed out, that James pointed out, and so many other writers of Scripture pointed out that the false teacher will do anything and everything to prevent you from enjoying two words, blameless and great joy. They're like the thief that Jesus talks about that comes in only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And they make a mess everywhere they go. And that's my concern, and I present that before you. Because just that same passage that says, So the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He also said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I, I have a heart for this. I, I, I do that because the false teacher has an agenda quite differently for you. He speaks out arrogant words of vanity. Peter says this in a parallel passage, 2 Peter chapter 2. If you want to catch those sermons and you haven't had a chance to meet us with us on Sunday nights, they are online, they're there. Um, And uh, you can check out the Peter passages too. But this we were on last week. We're speaking out arrogant words of vanity. They entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Promising them freedom, listen, promising them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. The reality is there is no freedom in sin. There never will be. There is no freedom in a lie. Never will be. Deception will tie you up in every single way. There was a little phrase I learned when I was young, and I don't know where I heard it, but it's stuck in my mind, and it's always been there, and some of you know it too. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive. I don't want to be like that, do you? I spent this last week, we were together last Sunday talking about the dangers that really we are prone to fall in if we don't stay close to our shepherd. We are just as susceptible. And even we can deceive ourselves to think we won't. To say we're safe, we're good, we're okay, we're, we're after all a Bible church. <laughs> it's our middle name. We're not going to fall for these things. And so many times that's part of the deception too. Is that we're not careful, we're not... Staying close to our shepherd. We're not praying in the Holy Spirit. We're not building up our faith in Christ. Folks, that's coming in the next couple of verses. And you know the pastor is going to pound on them. I don't hit the pulpit too often, do I? But those are my heart concerns here. And so when we go into verse 16, where we were last week, there was a list here. And we're going to follow through with the rest of the list. And it's not a pretty passage, I know. He speaks of those who are grumblers. And he's identifying a false teacher now. But here's the point. Don't be like this. All right? Honestly, if you see yourself in the mirror of God's Word right now when I go through this list, and you say, oh, you know, I do have a problem with that, let's talk to the Lord about it. Let's go straight to the source of where you can. He's the only one who can change your heart. Talk to him. But if you're a grumbler, be aware that is a wonderful tool the false teacher uses. These are grumblers. These are finding fault. These are following after their own lust. These speak arrogantly. And they flatter people for the sake of gaining an advantage. And I want you to take this passage to heart because they are indicators, by the way, in Scripture, that you're living in the end times. Excuse me. You're living in the end times, I believe we are. These things are all around us. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed it, but it's there. I want you to be strong in the Lord, so you're not carried off by destructive doctrines taught by these people, and I want to protect and preserve this church, don't you? When you have something wonderful, we don't want to hand it off to children or grandchildren and leave them a mess. It's our duty right now, to be what we're called to be. That's our job, remaining faithful to the Lord. And so, the false teacher's got a different agenda, I told you. He's got a different agenda, and that's to destroy a place like this. We want to be very careful, walk carefully. Like I said last week, Jude is like a warning label on the church. Look out, it's out there. Let it not be named among us, folks. So, we're going to walk through some more things here. But I just want to emphasize one more thing before I go into some of the review. And that is simply this. You are to be different than them. When Jude is done making this long list from verse 4 to verse 16 about the false teacher and how to identify him and all their terrible characteristics, he says in verse 17, But you, beloved, and he means but as a contrast. You are to be different. He says it again in verse 20. But you, beloved, and he means for you to be a contrast. And he does it several different times all the way through this passage to say that we are to be different. But a false teacher would do everything he can to get you to follow him and not the Lord. Alright? I think our, our, our alert level is now elevated, isn't it? This is like, okay, what do we need to know, Pastor? What do we need to know? Well, let's look at the traits, just a couple by review. We only touched two last week. The grumbling, the grumbling ones. This is an adjective that describes them as dissatisfied, discontent, and murmuring. Secret talks, whispering, discussions that's supposed to sound pious, But it's contrary to speaking the truth in love. They are meaning it to destroy. Murmur, 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 murmur. I'll just say it this way. God is sick of it. He has listened to this ever since Adam and Eve took of that fruit. I would tell you that. There has been murmuring on this planet all this time. And I just wonder how he could even look down here another day and say, I can have patience with them one more time. That's amazing to me. But murmuring is annoying. Have you ever noticed? It's annoying as can be. And it's destructive as can be. And the false teacher is ahead of the class when it comes to murmuring. He wants to get a whole congregation grumbling. Because when they grumble, guess where their eyes are not? It's not on the Lord. It's on themselves. Perfect setup for a fall. That's one of their tools. Make everybody uncomfortable so they grumble. So they grumble. So they grumble. Let's not be grumblers. If you're a grumbler, stop it. Who's your pastor talking? Stop it! Alright? It's detrimental to our fellowship. We don't want that. Okay. Fault finders. They are fault finders. Matter of fact, the adjectives go this way. They're grumbling fault finders. That's even worse. They, They just go about looking for flaws as if they have none themselves. They're very quick to point out other people's problems. But here's what their problem is. They are not satisfied with their lot in life. They think they've been given the short end of the stick or whatever you want to call that phrase. And they say, you know, this is terrible. Somebody has hurt me. Have you ever heard that phrase around in our country? Somebody's at fault here. And it's not me. It must be you. And that's what they, they instill within a church. Blame everyone else so that they look innocent. There's a terrible picture in all the fault finders. And honestly, if you're one who goes about finding fault in people, would you please look at the mirror and understand what you are doing? You are belittling everybody else so you can stand up taller. It is a pride issue. It is a massive pride issue. The false teachers do it. And they teach it. And you know, once one person starts it, it's like erosion. Everybody starts chiming in with that. It's such an ugly thing in a church when you see fault finders. How much different would a church look if we owned up to our own faults? That would be a start. And and rather than looking at everybody else, we dealt with our needs that needed to be addressed. And we don't blame other people for our problems. Do you know, a mature church is not a comfortable place for a false teacher. Do you realize that? A mature church is not a comfortable place for a false teacher. An immature church is what they're looking for. So guess what your pastor wants us to be? Mature. Those are destructive things. All right? Let's talk about the other three. You say, that's bad, pastor. Oh, it gets nasty. You ready? Item number three, they are what I call lust followers. Lust followers. They are continually, and this is from the Greek, continually walking according to their lust. Matter of fact, there's a little word in front of all that. And it's the word while. And it's really interesting. Because the word while means while they are grumbling, while they are finding fault, they are walking always according to their lusts. Let's break that down just a little bit more. According to their lusts. I, I see a Greek phrase in front of me. I'm not going to read it off. Because it may not mean anything to a lot of us. But it starts with the word Kata. K A T A. Kata is a prepositional phrase. It's a little thing, but it's potent. It is the term used when you are measuring things. You have to have a standard, don't you? When you're making a cake, I know some of you are able to do that. And it says you need one cup of this. Is cup a standard? You don't make it up every time, do you? This is my cup. No, you have a standard in mind because that's what a cup is, and then you measure according to it. That's that word tata. Now, what is their standard? What is their standard? As believers, we have a standard. What is that? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our standard. That's what we measure our life to, and, you know, sometimes that's kind of revealing, isn't it? If this is our standard, Christ, and we go and stand up next to it, how does that look sometimes? It's supposed to be better every day, all right. But regardless, we know that Christ is our standard. Watch this. The false teacher uses lust as their standard. That's their standard. Don't minimize it. The word literally means violent desires. They can't get enough. enough. That's the nature of their lust. They can't get enough we had a little dog years ago name was drew kids would say oh yeah drew drew was a little terrier thing he came to us i believe from the pound at the time we were collecting dogs from the pound for some reason i don't even know why that just kept happening but we we got this little dog it had a broken back leg so it ran on three legs and i've never seen a dog run so fast And still with only three legs. We were in the backyard one time, and our backyard is surrounded by a tall wooden privacy fence. Alright? And if I wasn't there witnessing this, I, I wouldn't tell you this story. I wouldn't even believe it myself. But that little dog got the scent of a female. And I watched that dog speed as fast as it could across the yard and I watched it head to the fence and I watched it not break its stride as it went through the fence I saw splinters of wood fly everywhere and a hole in my fence and the dog was gone and I tell you if I hadn't seen it I wouldn't be able to tell you this story I never caught the dog It's gone. That's my picture of this word every time I read it. You know, there's some things that just stick there in your mind. And I picture that little dog Drew at the speed he hit that fence because he wanted something. That's a violent lust. That's the nature of a word like this. I will get it no matter what. And it doesn't care about the barriers. It bursts through. It bursts through. Nothing gets in the way of a false teacher's craving. Understand that? This is not something minor, something gentle, something very, you know, well, we're just kind of appease them and everything will go away. No, if they're walking continually according to violent desires, guess what they're wanting right now? A violent desire. And guess what they want next week? A violent desire. And that's all their appetite craves. That's their standard. Wow. You call that dangerous to a church? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can a believer have the same appetite? Oh, yes, he can. That's why your pastor talks to you. That's why I share with you God's Word, because I want you to have the standard of Christ, and I want your appetite to be for His Word. I want us to have such a craving for God's Word that it even goes greater than the cravings this world wants you to have for itself. I want your craving that way. you got to have God's Word. You want to have God's Word. If you're struggling, please talk to me. Alright? Talk to me. That's what we're here for. That's what Christ came for. That's why He died to sin. Romans 6 says, knowing this, our old self was crucified with him. Isn't that true? Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we are no longer slaves to sin. The false teacher is a slave to sin. He's a slave to sin. This world, folks, and its lust, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, is passing away. It's going to be gone someday. Praise the Lord for that. It will be gone. But this world is not the believer's playground. It's not where we belong. It's not where we should be living like the rest. But it is the location of the false teacher. And that's where you're going to find him every single time. And I don't say it lightly, because nearly nearly every single passage... In the New Testament that identifies a false teacher has lust as one of the main characteristics. Almost every single passage does that. And as Jude is writing to these people, he says, listen, they're living this way. They're living this way. It's a continual walking. It's present tense. They're always, always walking according to their lust. It's the only direction they travel. You get the picture? I'm painting it pretty thick. And on on purpose. That's the only way they travel. It's the only direction they go. And they want you to join them. And they will applaud it if you do. Read Romans chapter 1 and you'll see at the very end. They love it when people join in and follow. They love it. I know. I read about things... Paper, just like you do, the accounts of even local churches in Oklahoma practicing things contrary to the truth of Scripture. It's there, isn't it? You read about it and you say, what is going on here? You know, if the pastor is going that way, guess which way his church is going? Same direction. Because he's encouraging them to follow and follow and follow. And I'm very sure of this. The minute your doctrine starts to slide, so do your morals. It happens that way. You gotta know the book. You gotta know the truth. It's not pleasant to say it. It's not even pleasant to see it. But as your pastor, I plead with you, don't follow up the lust of the flesh. Don't let this world bombard you with it and make you look natural and make it look healthy when all it is is rot and ruin. It destroys everything it touches and it will destroy your church too. It will. Guaranteed. Like I said, if you need help with something, please talk to me. I want to talk to you about Christ. But false teachers are captives to this. They are captivated by it as well. And that's where you're going to find them. As Jude just said, they are following. Notice these words. Following after their ungodly lust. Verse 18 says. Verse 16 says, they are following after their own lust. Why does he have to keep saying it? Because it's there. And it's true. I don't say it lightly, but I know it's there. Driven by a desire for sinful self-satisfaction. Let's go on to the next one. You've probably had enough of that one. They're arrogant speakers. It says, they're arrogant speakers. Verse 16 says, they are speaking... Arrogantly. What is that? Oh, that's not hard to picture, is it? You've seen people like this before. Arrogant speakers. Who are they? Well, they grumble a lot. They're discontent. They follow after their own desires. And their mouths speak. This is all at the same time as the rest. They speak pompous words. Insolent words. They brag about themselves. Bregging is part of their game. They're puffed up, swollen. I've always thought that puffer fish was really an unusual thing. Have you ever seen those? They're just floating along like a normal fish, and suddenly something scares them, and they go, <clears throat> and they're big. I guess that means try to swallow this, buddy. All right? Little fish you can swallow. Big fish? That might be hard to get down your throat. Arrogant speakers are kind of hard to swallow, too, aren't they? And the picture is really cool. Puffed up, swollen, like swollen heads, swollen mouths, just huge. They're vocally discontent, one guy wrote. Vocally discontented, sinfully self-centered, extravagantly egotistical, and deceptively flattering. That's a lot of words to say. Yuck. That's what they are. They're loud-mouthed boasters. If you have the English... uh, English Standard Version, you just read that. Loudmouth boasters. I said, ooh. They speak pompously and even magnificently. But here's the fact. It's empty, folks. It's empty. There's nothing in there. There's no substance to it. It's empty. Lifeless words with no spiritual value. They will not lift you up. They will not encourage your soul. They will not make you more like Christ. They won't even point you that way. Guess who they want you to look at? Themselves. And external attractiveness has no power whatsoever. No substance of divine truth. That's what pride looks like when it has a mouth. Do you know that is a, a thing that God hates? The Bible says God hates seven things. Did you know that? There's a list in the book of Proverbs. You can read it, Proverbs 6, right there, 6, verse 16, 17, 18, and 19. God gives a list of seven things He hates. Guess what's the top thing on His list? It's pride. Pride. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes. What is that? That's pride. A lying tongue. A hand that sheds innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies and one who spe- spreads strife among the brothers. Do you know what that is? That is a description of a false teacher. According to Jude, they match. And God hates every single characteristic of it. You see? I don't even have to describe that one much farther. But pride is a thing that the Lord hates. And that's what an arrogant man speaks about himself. 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 There are some people who just talk too much, they just blab. They just blab. I'll tell you this, I had an uncle, he's with the Lord today, and this problem is fixed. (laughs) He was a talker. He just talked, talked, talked. He'd come over to the house for family events, and he talked. Non-stop did he talk. Literally, I'll tell you this, and I'm not lying. We would all be there together at a family reunion, brothers and sisters and all the rest, and he would get one of us cornered to talk. And he'd just start going. And I'm not kidding. Hours, hours of talking. And we'd realize, oh, you know, my sister's been trapped by good old Uncle Bill for long enough. And we'd go over like a tag team. And we'd stand there and they'd leave. He never noticed that people changed. (laughs) We did that all day long. Switch out the recipient of his talking. It was nonstop, but it never said anything. He was just, blah, 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 blah. He wasn't so much arrogant. But if you put arrogant with that, boy, was that a stomach full. I just think these people are talkers. These people are talkers and they're talking about themselves. It's bad enough that a false teacher has traits like this, but I hope it's never numbered among us that we're like this kind of person. If you find that your mouth is a problem, talk to the Lord about it. He created them. He can fix them. Don't go on this way. It teaches other people to be arrogant too. And that will always, always damage a church. It goes on with one more. People who flatter. People who flatter for the sake of gaining an advantage. They're flatterers. And folks, this is continuous just as well. It's present tense. It's never stop. They flatter, they flatter, they flatter. Do you know people like that? I'm not going to say anything about politics, okay? I'm not going to say a word about it. I did, but I didn't. Who flatter? They go to somebody and, oh yeah, yeah, you're this, you're this, you're this, and they flatter, flatter, flatter. They they go, the, little, the words in the Greek is, they go to your face. And they, they talk all about you. Only for this one thing. For their own advantage. It's for their own advantage. They're not sincere. Flattery is not sincere, is it? Have you ever found it to be sincere? It's meant for the advantage of the person who says it. They consider you to be useful to them. An assistant to them. Profitable to them. They will use you. For whatever they're after. They will exploit you. Scripture says that word. Showing respect to people for the sake of an advantage. Showing favoritism to gain advantages. They tell people what they want to hear. For their own profit. How do you think a false teacher can weasel his way into a church? Walk in and say, I'm a false teacher and I'm here to destroy. What he does is he starts with people... And he starts to flatter and flatter and flatter. And before long, everyone thinks he's the greatest guy on earth. Because he made everybody feel good. And there's his advantage. You know what? When Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, these are the things you could expect in the end times. Listen carefully to these words. Second Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come, and folks, I think it's here, when they, the church, will not endure a sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. Is that happening today? Oh, yes. Why? Because flatterers love to tickle your ears. (laughs) It works. This whole situation is tailor-made for a false teacher. Our culture, our church environment, our immaturity in churches today is setting the table for this. It's setting the table for it. They show respect to all these other people so they could get something in exchange because they're not here to build the church. They're not here to help you see Christ. They're here for their own gain. Israel was warned about that in the Old Testament, that they're going to have leaders like that. In the New Testament, the church is warned about that because there's going to be people in the church like that. And so Peter gives this warning, which I take to heart. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and as a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, and not lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Our chief shepherd is coming. I long for that day. Pray for me that I stay true to my shepherd. And I'll pray for you that you stay true to the shepherd too. Because that's what we need to do. We must mature in our faith. We must. This is not optional stuff. We must pray more. We must stay close to our Lord. We must roll up our sleeves because, folks, there's work to be done. And it calls for mature people. And that's what we ought to be. We need strengthened so that we can strengthen others. Help our brothers and sisters who are weak. We're going to start what that is next week. Verse 17 on is the process of what we are to be. And I hope you're ready for it. Because if you think it's hard things I spoke about a false teacher all the way through, wait till you see what Jude is calling you to do. It is so important that we're ready for this. So I want you to spend some time prayerfully this week. Prayerfully, going back over Jude, from verse 4 to verse 16. If any of that resembles you in any way, talk to the Lord about it. That's not to be us, in any way, in any part. How much how much arsenic in a cake mix can hurt you? Just think about that for a minute. When you read this passage, you say, oh, but mine's just a little sin. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Read through the Word and say, Lord, may I not be like this. May, it not, may I not resemble this. Just make me what I ought to be, because we're going to talk about that. But I want us to not be entangled in our sins, in the traps that go with it, because if this truth has set you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's be that way. Let's be that way as a body of Christ. Let's be that way for the sake of our brothers and sisters. Let's be that way. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us. We come before you just as children who are are so dependent upon you. But apart from you, we can do nothing. And that's what Scripture tells us. And we need to be reminded of our dependence. I know this is Independence Day, but for a believer... We've got to grow in our dependence of Christ more and more and more. So draw our hearts to yourself, we pray. Help us to take inventory very carefully of our own lives. May we not be like these that we have read today and read for the last several weeks. May we be not like that. And may we be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. For that's what you've called us to be, Lord. To walk by faith and not by sight. To live by righteousness as well. These things are before us today. As a congregation, we stand before you and ask, Lord, that you do your work in our midst. For your word is powerful and your Holy Spirit is God. There's nothing you can't accomplish in our hearts and lives right now. If there's needs represented here today, and there things that need to be made right, Convict us of that. Drive us back to the cross again. Show us the greatness of our Savior and the work that He does to make us what we ought to be so that we can be a strong church, so that we can stand firm in the evil day, so that we can lift up our brothers and sisters and do it with a whole heart and do it with a strong desire that Jesus Christ be praised among us Because you are able, Lord. You are able. And you can do these things. Teach us how to submit to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.